if my values and my principles and my ethics started changing, I wouldn't be true to myself because of how I've structured my own beliefs about my existence, my coexistence, my purpose, my legacy, the way I affect other people. And it's got nothing to do with personality. It's all about the inner core of being true to yourself and taking that time of that word that you said of reflection. Hi, and welcome to the Leadership Now series with Nick Vujicic and Christine Grimm, ARIA Consulting, 23 years of executive coaching, and I'm humbled that she is my coach. I could not lead without the sound coaching from Christine. I'm so glad, Chris, that we get to coach everyone watching. Tell us what we're going to be experiencing here on this series. Yeah, we're going to coach you uh, around leadership, around real challenges, how to navigate the challenges that you have right now, and and how to feel good about it. I'm so excited, Chris, you're gonna be sharing with us also your pool of CEOs that can bring in and chime in some principles from their experience as well. Thank you for joining us here on the Leadership Now series. Here's today's episode. Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Now series with Nick Vujicic and Christine Grimm from ARIA Consulting. Hello, Chris, how are you? Hi, Nick, I'm great. It is December. December 2020. What the heck? This is our 21st episode, Chris. What a year. I want to say again, thank you for um, really even dreaming a creative way that we can encourage together other executive leaders and people that are not in executive leadership to make sure that we're all leading our lives, ourselves, our families, but especially our team along with us uh, in such a a year where there's been a lot of uncharted territory, if not all of it. Uh, so thank you, Christine. I, I think um, I'm going to be doing some digging this week, actually, and uh, maybe even sharing some uh, testimonies of our listeners or viewers who've actually got something out of this, just so we can all be encouraged as the, uh, the end of 2020 does come very quickly. I just have my birthday, not much taller than last year, but I'm 37 years old and uh, we just celebrated my sister's wedding. So thankful that 2020 has some good news on the back end. Chris, do you have any good news or just feelings as we come into the last couple of weeks of 2020? Happy birthday. Um, Thanks. Hey, I can't believe you're 37. I'm 52. I'm so much older than you. Um, amazing. I want to be like you when I'm 52. Oh, no, you don't. Uh, I don't even know what that means. You just be you. Uh, uh, what am I thankful for? Um, is that what you asked me? What am I thinking about the end of? Yeah, like what's what's 2020 kind of in the last turn of the of the uh, the racetrack here in 2020? How are you feeling? You know, first of all, I have to tell you, during the Thanksgiving back and forth, you know, everybody's on Facebook, everybody's talking and a lot of people are still kind of moaning and groaning about 2020. And I feel sometimes like I'm an outlier because I have way more positive things that have happened in 2020 than negative. And I don't mean to be like, not that I'm different or better than anybody else, uh, but I honestly, if I had to hold up everything that happened in 2020, so many good things have happened in particular, I mean, this podcast is one of them, Nick, like, I feel like 
2020 has forced me and my team to think so different about the way we're doing business that um, it's just overshadowed a lot of really bad, you know, disruptive things. Now, do I love having to stay home all the time? No. Um, my high heels are feeling like they want out of the closet. <laughs> Everybody, my shoes. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here at the end of 2020. I'm excited for the month of December. I love Christmas. Uh, no matter what that means every year. I think it's a great time to reflect. And it's actually why I wanted to talk about um, this topic today around values integration and how our values really are driving what we do. Because I feel like the holiday time, regardless of what you celebrate, if you celebrate, the end of the year tends to be a time of reflection. And for many people, good or bad or indifferent, it's a time where we're maybe spending time with family and friends and that brings up a lot of stuff. So I thought, why don't I get really geeky today, everybody? And I brought slides and kind of show you a model that helps explain all that stuff that might be coming up so that um, people feel like maybe they're in a little bit more control because then their intellectual brain can stay in the game. How about that? <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I do have two things before we get into it, Christine, that does kind of line up, actually. Um, I'm so excited to, to look at your slides. Everyone uh, watching or listening, I have not seen the slides, nor have we really had a pre-production call, except for three or four sentences just before we started recording. Um, really excited because um, I've got one piece of good news. No, two pieces of good news that Christine has no idea about. Uh, even though she and I, we do talk uh, frequently, uh, apart from recording here. here drum roll, drum roll. No, you'll never guess. You'll never guess what I'm about to tell you. Um, okay, so first of all, let me tell you the thing that you might guess. Um, I just probably had the best three weeks of 2020 of the whole year, just now. I've had an incredible three weeks. It almost feel like this huge boulder that was blocking that spring of joy has been removed. And I'm already like, I've forgotten all the bad of 2020 without forgetting the stuff that I learned from 2020, being grateful for what did go bad that could have gone even like worse in some aspects. I'm loving the fact that I'm home. My high heel shoes, I don't have any and I don't have any other shoes I want me to go out um and and you know like i'm really really thankful in so many areas of my life i've actually I, it's really difficult to pinpoint the last time i felt really this good and i'm thankful for it uh thankful to god thankful to my family thankful to my friends and you're one of my dear friends chris has helped me through 2020 the other thing though that you would never have guessed um that i'm about to say is you know how we talk about, you know, always being okay to ask people for help or going to counseling. Um, normally, people would go to counseling out of a bad spot. Um, as soon as you feel better and the storms pass, it's like, okay, I feel good. Let's keep on going. What I've actually, one of the best decisions I've ever made probably in 2020, uh, one of them anyway, um, was to actually get counseling. Um, I'm starting weekly counseling sessions. 
uh, starting Wednesday, actually. Um, and with someone that I trust, someone that's been doing this for decades, um, who has an incredible IQ and EQ and incredible psychological level of understanding how to pull things out of people. And my, my primary session, um, just for 40 minutes, just getting to know him, him getting to know me, it was like, wow, I do need counseling. Even though no matter how good we feel, um, I feel like 2020 maybe jacked us up a little bit on some areas of our life and there's some cleaning still needing in our head. So I want to encourage you that if you are maybe not one of those who moan and groan, um, but you're feeling good, I'm feeling great. But I'm also just going to encourage you and say, it doesn't mean that you may not need some counseling to mess up, like to, to actually backtrack or untie some mess in the head from the 2020 year that we've had. So I just want to share that with you, Chris. Uh, I've, I've, I've had counseling before, but a series of counseling. Um, and I think it's more from everything that happened from ages 21 onward professionally. I think I dealt with anything, everything prior to 21. But at that point, there was some pivoting moments right there and then that that destroyed me uh, and some things along the way. So I just want to say, I love you, Christine. And it's always about values. It's always about reflection. It's always about the compass that you've always taught me and my team in being true to yourself, uh, in you really knowing who you are and what do you believe and where do you stand? Because as Christine, you're going to open us up with this understanding on a whole new level. If you have a misalignment there, the foundation has a crack and a foundation that cracks eventually falls. So Chris, over to you. Awesome. Well, I love you being a role model. Um, I want to clarify something. When you said a counselor, do you mean the therapist? I mean, the therapist. Yeah, great. Um, they call them different things in different parts of the world. So I just wanted to be super clear. Uh, good for you. Uh, yeah. Look, um, I, uh, by the way, everybody, there's a lot of other modalities out there, uh, not just talk therapy. So um, if talk therapy helps you bring up um, and identify some things to work on and your talk therapy can't get you over and past it, there's other things to do. We can talk about that on another one. Um, but I'm super happy that you're doing that, Nick. Uh, I would I would encourage everybody, I'm not kidding, uh, that is role modeling by Nick there because this year has brought up a lot of stuff for people It's and it doesn't seem to be ending. And I really believe, we've talked about it before, which is why I have some slides I wanna show you, that um, for many, many leaders, uh, thinking about 2021 seems to be causing more pain <laughs> Then maybe some of the things they went through in 2020, because there's so much uncertainty about not just when the pandemic is going to be over, uh, but the impact on industries and businesses is still super unclear. So, so let me show you a few things. Drum roll on the geekiness. I know it's Chris Grimm and her slides. Here we go. So I'm going to do this. Okay. So I'm going to show you something. This is called our values integration system. So, um, so this was born out of uh, some very deep values work. Uh, I've mentioned before, I have a mentor. His name is Dr. Gunther Weil. He's in Boulder, Colorado. Shout out to Gunther, uh, who's really just Yoda, as far as I'm concerned. Not because he looks like Yoda, because he's smart and wise like Yoda. I'll just make that clear. Um, Gunther 
was privileged, uh, I think, uh, it's very, my version of the story. In his graduate school days, he worked with uh, Maslow, Abraham Maslow, developing a model called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And I actually have that as a second slide. Woo, look at that, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If, if you are unfamiliar with Maslow's work in the late 1960s and early 1970s, I actually don't know when he died. Um, but this uh, Hierarchy of Needs, if you haven't seen it, everybody, Mick, I think you've seen it before, you're familiar with it, mm -hmm. um, important because the values integration system I'm gonna to talk to you about um, was born in many ways uh, out of Gunther and other people's work with Maslow in starting to understand how we evolve in the process of getting our needs met consistently. Right, so this is called a hierarchy of needs. Down here at the bottom is what we call our survival needs. They're the basics, right? We gotta breathe. We need basic food and water, nothing fancy here. Uh, sex as a bodily function, uh, sleep, basic homeostasis, right? Just keeping your body well hydrated and functioning. And of course we have to excrete things. That's just the basics, right? Survival. That's us being alive to see another day. Um, and then once those needs are met pretty consistently, we can start to meet our needs on the next level, which is called security and safety, right? So this means, okay, I know I'm not gonna die tomorrow. So now I need to keep it up. Like there's some sustainability here, right? So now there's security of your body. Like how do I keep my body functioning? Um, how do I keep myself employed or at least resources flowing through my life? Whatever that means to me, if we're tribal, right? Then. It might just mean I'm going to grow corn and I'm going to get water every day. I'm going to walk five miles to get water, whatever it means to you. Um, some basics of morality here, like what do I believe and how do, how do I know I'm okay? Basics of safety for the people around me that I care about the most um, and whatever I own that I can sustainably keep that safe too, right? So again, some basics here, everybody, um, although there are people in the world and some of you might be listening to us or watching and you might be going through something where, where your, your needs aren't being met. Maybe they were before and they're not. We can talk about what happens when these things are triggered. But I just want you to understand the model here. Um, so once those needs are met pretty consistently and predictably, right, we know we can meet those needs. Um, now we can start belonging. Now is when we can actually start showing affection and love, right? On a regular basis. This is, this is where intimacy is, right? So down here is just primal sex, by the way. Um, uh, animals know how to do that, right? Down here, the, the basics. Um, <laughs> but uh, up here is a little different, right? It's where we actually start to have friendship. We're tribal um, animals. Um, we are actually collaborative tribal animals. So once we get through um, the basic needs being met, we can actually start to now worry about other people. It's kind of like, oh, okay, now I can actually care about somebody else. 
Um, and I can have an intimate relationship with someone. Like I can have sex on purpose. I can stay with a partner and have meet their needs in a very different way. I can start a family because now I don't have to worry about dying overnight. Uh, I do know, by the way, that people who don't have their needs met all the time down here, they still sometimes have families. Um, but, but that's why they're, they're going to have to think about it in different ways, right? Um, so watch this. This is what I always thought was amazing. So what Maslow basically showed us is that when our needs are consistently being met down here at the bottom of the hierarchy, then we can actually start to have higher functioning interactions with ourselves and others, right? So our self-esteem now can start to be built. Um, that, that our confidence level, our achievement levels, we can actually start to respect others in a higher level. Um, and we'd be respected by other people in a, in a very different level because we're not worried about those basic things. Because if you think about it, Nick, we know, right? Anytime we're triggered down here, where our basic survival and our family is threatened. All yeah. this stuff, <laughs> we can't worry about it, right? We can't, these yep. luxury items, morality, creativity, <laughs> problem solving, um, right? So, so it explains a lot. I really wanted to show this today as a part of this conversation because I am gonna weave it into values and leadership in a few minutes here. But I wanted to take a moment and ground us all in understanding that what's happening in the world, we've referenced it in a lot of our other episodes, but we've said the words, I haven't shown you this. There's a lot of people, in fact, some of us, some of you, who might be being triggered, right? You might feel like you're worried about whether you can meet the needs consistently of your family or not, right? Illness itself, like a pandemic, specifically when the media is telling us people can die from this, it's going to trigger us down at these basic primal levels. So whether it's true or not, I'm not going to go there right now, um, but, but it does trigger people. And the more those messages are coming around us and then we talk to other people and or we have actual people who get sick in our family or we know people who someone died or maybe you know someone who's died, right? It starts to validate. And I'm going to show you that values map in a minute. But when that's validated, we can't not kind of get stuck down here. And it becomes a just not just a distraction, it becomes kind of main filtering, if you will, for how we are thinking about how we make decisions. And so again, notice way up here is where our higher thinking, our, our critical thinking is, the thinking we need in business to problem solve. So I've referenced this in some of our other episodes where we've talked about teams, for instance, and making good strategic decisions about your business and how if people's families are impacted negatively or they personally right now during this pandemic, it's really difficult for them to keep their brain and their body functioning up here when their primal brain is calling them down here. Talk about a quick summary of the disabilities that we can have in the filtering process that easily gets hijacked. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it, I have seen this, but it's been quite a while. So it's great to get a refresher. 
Yeah, great. So let me add to that because now's where the more advanced uh, things happening. So first of all, I just want everybody to see this and anybody who has children, oh my goodness, you should have this. You could put it on the wall, right? This is called a worldview. It's also sometimes called a mental map. Um, I actually believe that all of these things are mental maps inside our worldview. And so when I refer to something as a worldview, this is what I'm talking about, right? In the middle of it, as we get older, and I'm going to show you this in a minute, how it works, our values and our principles and our basic core ethics and our beliefs, well, they just get validated over time. So the older we get, that's why we say old dogs have a hard time getting learning new tricks, right? Because the older we get, we usually align with people and are in situations that validate what we believe to be true and the principles therein. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, but I want you to all think about the fact that we all, and again, the older we get, the more ingrained these things are in our worldview has in it, look at that right here at the top. I didn't make this for today. This is just a part of the model, right? It has all the theories of life, assumptions, beliefs, things that we think we know that is usually handed down from our parents and the people around us when we're young. We have religious maybe beliefs or cultural beliefs or um, whatever beliefs based on who you align with, but you also have all these other like mental maps inside your worldview, right? Whatever the media is telling you at any moment in time, our media, as you know, everybody, depending on where you are in the world, but it's basically the same. It's not just giving us facts. It's it's helping create our worldview because it has a place in it where we believe it's giving us information we should pay attention to. We have emotional maps and the older we are and the more we're, we're in certain patterns, we learn how our emotions work. Um, we have brain preferences. We have our family and what our family beliefs are. Uh, we have our age and our education that adds in there a worldview part of our worldview, a mental map, our gender puts stuff in there, uh, the people we hang out with at any moment in time, they're adding stuff to our worldview, our skills, the abilities, capabilities, disabilities that we all have um, are a part of our worldview, the environment that we're in, nature, right? And, and you see here, this is nature like natural nature. And then we have created nature and environments, which is technology and science and things that aren't naturally occurring, but are in our world. Then we have, of course, popular culture, the culture of the place where we live, and then the broader world that we're in and what we're paying attention to. And like I mentioned a little bit before about brain preference, right? So our IQ, our the style in which we prefer to take in information. Some people like a lot of data, for instance, and other people don't like data at all. That's a brain preference, right? So um, right now, that's probably a very significant way people are taking in information from the media, right? People who like data, they're probably spending a lot of time because we're pushing a lot of COVID data, for instance, out into our media. Someone is, uh, lots of people are. Some people like that, so they're looking at it a lot. Some people don't like data. They're not looking at it at all, right? So, so important, everybody, to know this. Oh, you like data, but you don't believe it. <laughs> exactly right. So, so important to understand. So, I want everybody to understand. I call this the tapestry 
<laughs> of our life. So if you were going to go in a museum somewhere, you might see on the wall those big tapestries. What I mean by that, it's almost like a rug or a blanket. And in it is a woven bunch of pictures. And so this is the tapestry of your life. And through your life, your worldview just gets richer and adds color and adds pictures and adds beliefs and all of those things. And so at any moment in time, these things are always in play with each other. And so I want to show you why that matters. So uh, really quickly, um, I just want to show you how this works because I just think it's so awesome. And when I coach leaders, um, some of you might have heard me say this before, when I start coaching um, a CEO or a leader, um, we usually do some assessment in the beginning of that. And one of the things I really like to do if the person's open to it is have them take a values assessment and it is not a shallow tool. It helps me start to understand. And sometimes, well, most of the time it helps them understand what they didn't know about themselves. So that thing I just showed you the worldview with all those circles, right? This red circle is representative of that. So it's just some quick thinking and Nick, this will be compelling for you since you have little kids. So when we're born, I said earlier, what happens is that our worldview is kind of started when we're born with DNA, right? So we carry with us biologically what is built into our genetics and our, our DNA um, based on our parents and our ancestors. And then from zero to five, we're just a little sponge. We don't have a lot of critical thinking yet. And what we're doing is we're kind of taking in our environment and all the what I call hand-me-down beliefs, assumptions, and knowledge. And think about that, right? So specifically like zero to three, when a child is first a baby, right? So they can't, their, their responses are super primal. They try to get their needs by crying, right? They can't communicate other than that. Or at least I know, I know there are some babies that are pretty sophisticated, but because they can't use words yet, they can't really ask for things, but they're super close to their caregiver or super dependent on their caregiver, depending on who that is and how that's working. And like I said, they're just a sponge, right? They're taking in everything. They can't reject the beliefs, assumptions, or knowledge that the adults around them are telling them yet. They're just taking it all in. And then what starts to happen, if you think about, at least in the Western society, Nick, I'll talk about like my kids and your kids, right? So they get exposed to things. And the more you expose a child to something, so that's why they, we repeat the ABCs or we repeat numbers or we repeat the things, don't touch that, it's hot. So we repeat, the adults tend to repeat things in very simple ways because we want them to learn it. So the more things are repeated, the more those connections in the brain become more solid, more solidified. I call it paving the roads in there. They go from like a little touch point to something that's a paved road. That's that worldview, right? Starting to become a thing, become its own. And uh, I don't know if you want to add to that, Nick. I know you have little kids in the house because um, what I think is compelling is around five. And so whoever decided that kindergarten which is a German word. So it was probably those smart, awesome German people uh, that, that five is a meaningful thing. So, so what happens at around five for kids who are um, healthy is that their brain is able to do some new things. 
And so everybody just give it a little grace. I don't know that it happens right at their fifth birthday, um, but, but somewhere between probably three and probably seven, I don't know, I'm not the expert. If you are, you can comment for us. Um, but somewhere in there, a child is able to do a few things that kind of push us into the next phase of worldview development. One, they start to realize somewhere in there, they're not the center of the universe which is helpful to teachers when we send them to school <laughs> so that they can share, right? They can interact with other people. Um, they also start to realize because they start to phonetically put words together, start to read sentences, start to broaden their worldview by taking in information that's not just handed down by the parents or the caregivers. So now I can read a book about someone who lives far away from me. And I start to realize, wait a minute, a child in Ghana, what's their world like? It's different than Dallas, right? And so the world opens up. The other thing that happens is numbers. Numbers become a language and they start to understand that numbers interact with each other. So whether that's Sesame Street or however they're learning math, the beginning of that. And that really opens up the worldview in a big way. And the other thing that starts to happen around five or when we go to school is we probably are gonna start to have interaction with other adults who are going to either reward us or punish us for some of our choices. So we know in preschool and anytime you go to school environment, there's rules and the teacher has a whole bunch of kids in there and they have to hold them accountable to that. So that alone starts to change the worldview because as we make choices and we get feedback from our environment, if it's positive feedback at a subconscious level, our worldview is validated. I must be doing something right, right? Oh, then, you know, way in there, they're getting the feedback that, oh, yep, I better keep doing that because that feels good. Nice job, Kiyoshi. <laughs> nice job, Billy. Um, and so those values start to form. And what I mean by that is it's not a shallow process where it's aspirational. It's actually being born of the worldview because it's being validated by positive reinforcement. Sometimes that's super overt. Sometimes it's not. But if you think about the opposite, right? So when we make choices, we get in trouble or we have conflict with someone. Well, that's negative feedback in our environment. And so what that does on the inside, right? So if you think about when a kid gets in trouble, if we just stick with kids for a minute, they get in trouble for doing something and they feel bad, they feel guilty, they feel shame. And that all, by the way, is a part of how their worldview is interacting with the environment. But that also validates values, right? It means we're telling them that's bad, this is good. And it's pulling beliefs out of our worldview so that they know what the most important ones are. We don't steal. You're not allowed to go in the store and take something. You're going to have to go back in and give it back. We had to do that with my daughter when she's going to be mortified that I said that on a podcast. <laughs> um, she's a teenager. Um, but it's a really great lesson for everyone to learn because it happens, right? And that's really what childhood is because we're just 
you know, we're, we're training adults <laughs> when we're growing our children. And so here's some added things that should, as you as leaders should understand about yourself and other people, right? So five to 12, then we go to school most, whether it's homeschool, uh, whether you don't go to school and you are an apprentice and you work somewhere or you're actually going to a classroom, whatever, from five to 12, um, your brain is growing at a very quick rate. You're starting to get smarter about your choices, I hope. Starting to learn what kind of feedback from the environment equals I'm doing something right versus I'm doing something wrong. And so our values start to emerge and get more clear. Now, I've met lots of kids, by the way. So have you, Nick, right? I, I look at adolescents and um, love to watch them behave. Some people might not know this, but I taught seventh grade for a few years, right out of undergraduate here in Los Angeles before I got on my consulting journey. And it was fascinating to me to learn about middle schoolers and how they saw the world and what they think is important and, and what they learn in their homes, right? And so, by the way, I would say to everybody, you can't, you can't know <laughs> why other people think things are important. And you can't always completely assume that people you feel aligned with have the same values because this is a very complicated system we have here. Uh, and our beliefs, assumptions, and knowledge are so deeply threaded through the way we like our subconscious that really we're just watching people's choices all the time. And again, one as a leader, you should be thinking about first of all what what is the feedback from the environment, and and growing people and employees and you yourself learning that our choices—it's what we do and say every day—is a reflection of our worldview and our values. And then if we're, if we're conscious, if we're paying attention, if we're not coping with, with chemicals, uh, if we're not too distracted, then the feedback from the environment can be pretty clear and we can actually learn. So your whole thing you said earlier, Nick, is important, right? So learning from 2020 is super important. Well, learning all the time is important because all day, every day, you're getting some kind of either validation or, or a, a, a sign that you're either living within your values and your worldview or you're not. So I would say to you what you start to learn, I'll come back to that, my example, everybody of five to 12 and then 12 to like 25 as we're being trained to live in this world, which is a little scary sometimes I think having teenagers because I look at how social media, music, popular culture, like the worldviews that that's kind of bringing into the system and has been. And our technology, for instance, when people talk about like social media and, and the impact uh, on all of us, well, that's, you can't not integrate that in your worldview. As animals, we, we take in everything that we're experiencing and it does, it does affect us in some way. The more we experience anything, the more ingrained in our worldview it is. And then the more we process it through our choices and the feedback from the system that we're in with the people around us, et cetera, then the more embedded it gets into our values or our, our, our kind of harder constructs around our belief system. So by the time we're an adult and we go to work, like we've got a pretty sophisticated system, whether you know it or not. Um, and by the way, everybody, like you can't, 
um, everybody's got this, like it is running in the background. <laughs> this is our operating system, if you will, subconsciously. And so when people say to me sometimes, like they'll do a shallow exercise, um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but there's a lot of things out on the internet where you can kind of pick your values, like it'll give you lists of words. And someone will say, I know my values, and they'll pick 10 words. And to me, that's interesting because what most people do is they pick something that's aspirational. Their intellectual brain and their ego goes, oh yeah, I wanna be that. And so they pick values words that are aspirational. And I'm here to tell everybody today that first of all, that that's, that's only part of the story, right? What we aspire to be is a part of our story. Who we really are is the main story. And you can usually watch that based on people's behavior, right? Their choices are reflective of that. And then, and then of course, the second part is how people respond to feedback from the environment. Like, are they learning from it? Are they able to stand back and say, I'm stressed out all the time, I'm having conflict. I don't like working here. I feel dissatisfied, maybe in a relationship, maybe in their work, maybe all of those things. And, and do they know that that's because they're not able to live fully in their true values, the way their worldview, um, you know, is, is really, truly, um, you know, sitting inside their operating system, if you will, right? And the longer we stay, I'll say this last thing, Nick, uh, the longer I watch people miserable, sometimes I, I get super sad, um, but as a coach, right, I bring a lot of these tools because I'm just showing people that we are not here to be miserable. <laughs> we weren't created regardless of who you are, everybody out there and what you believe. So you can believe God, you can believe aliens. I don't really care. Um, we, we were created to be happy. We were created to live a life that is integrated with what we feel good about. With people, we feel good about being with, right? That's why we're here. And we can't actually live our purpose and do the amazing work that our talents and our gifts bring if we're always living in a misery in, in a feedback system that is, that is telling us it's wrong. What do you think about that? Uh, digesting a lot of that part, that, that last part, it's just, it's amazing, uh, you know, breaking this apart. Look, you know, me and my background as a Christian, you know, so all of my values come from the aspiring aspect that what that book says, the B-I-B-L-E for me, um, is the compass of, of what those values are to be. And when the worldview is affirming or non-affirming, it's you then going back in the subconscious and the conscious of will you affirm to stay on your values or not? And that's the different kind of perspective that I am just processing for myself in my childhood, in my adolescent years, and then, you know, sticking true to the values that you know, deep down that your family taught you that this is good, and then this is bad. And then being okay to ask questions, and not be afraid to ask questions, then get worldview of other people who believe 
in the Bible or don't believe in the Bible without belittling or devaluing anybody else just because they don't believe the same thing I do doesn't mean they're any less of human being or don't deserve to be just as happy. Uh, but I love that that real simple thing at the end that you just said, which is so simple, but it's like hard to digest that. Yeah, we actually deep down want to just be happy. And a lot of our times, I think what I've seen, Chris, is a lot of people that are unhappy because they continue to divorce their own values and change just because other people are influencing them more. I'm not saying that change is bad, but some people I've met along the way, including some very strong influential celebrities, and I've seen them over the last 15 years. And they change their tune every 30 months. Now this is the real. And no, now I know better and I've been enlightened. Now this is the real. And now we know this. So then this is real. And then before you know it, you don't even know what you believe anymore. And I'm not talking about just religion, but you kind of lose yourself. And guess what? You, you hit a run in the head based on aspirations. And that, that, that's why people continue, I think, to continue to displace themselves, they they recalibrate themselves with also then a true north in their compass quite dangerously based on emotions, based on the media, based on the people around them, based on on a lot of things that really in the in 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 a sense, if there's no real core anchor for you, you'll continue to evolve, but you might be quickly dissatisfied if your core values of who you are and your core ethics and your core principles start to change within you, where you don't remember what you're here to do and you don't even have a sense of purpose and you don't know what truth is, it's all become quite relative. So I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's just interesting that we all want to be happy but how important it is to keep your values, your principles and ethics like protected and not varied on the worldview or what's going on around you or what people think of you or you even compromise on your values, your principles, your ethics because you've given yourself permission to do so because of circumstances around you. I think that the, the importance of that inner core is so important that they, they, they can't really change. I mean, for me personally, if my values and my principles and my ethics started changing, I wouldn't be true to myself because of how I've structured my own beliefs about my existence, my coexistence, my purpose, my legacy, the way I affect other people. And it's got nothing to do with personality. It's all about the inner core of being true to yourself and taking that time of that word that you said of reflection. What are our values? What are our principles? What are our ethics? Look, this is a, you just hit on something, so I don't want to go past it. I want everybody to kind of get beyond the obvious here. And I'm guessing uh, if you're here because you're a fan of Nick's that you may or may not be a Christian person, but that you probably resonate with a lot of his messages. So here in the middle, values, principles, and ethics. 
So I want to be super clear to everybody that it doesn't say religion, right? Religion and our belief systems that we learn around our belief system, right? So all the meaning we put around beliefs, the principles, right? So, so religions of the world, specifically organized religions of the world, sorry, Shasti is really not doing well. Um, you good, Shast? Um, okay. So the religions of the world, the most organized ones, right? That means someone somewhere or a group of people decided together to memorialize principles, right? So, but everybody, I want to say to you that what happens when we're getting hand-me-down beliefs is a, is a mixture of that. So whether you have organized religion or not, it doesn't matter. Like you have some values and principles and ethics that were given to you when you're young. And then as you're an adult, those continue to kind of develop over time. And here's what's super important, right? Is that some people stay in systems that are highly structured. And then we've probably met a whole bunch of people who sometimes we feel like they don't have values, principles, and ethics because they haven't they don't have written down versions, but they probably have those. Your point, Nick, about you know, people who are easily swayed or changed. To, to, to bring it from another point of view, what you just said, I, I have someone who's close to me who has my same religion. And, and they look at me like I am some kind of alien because they asked me who I voted for. And I look at them and I'm looking at, well, how can we say that we have the same beliefs assumptions, theory of life, worldview, and the same knowledge of what we know, yet on some parameters, we have the same religion, um, you know, very close to me, I'm very close to him. And we, we, we had absolute, you know, opposite views on, on, on a position. And uh, which I think are contrary or from my point of view, because I assume that we based on what we know, what we believe, and what we assume in our theory of life and worldview, and then the religion on top of that, that really influenced all that, that how can we have different opinions on such a fundamental opinion on something about life? And so that's, that's even more so, like it's not about like even different religions, but even within the religions, how many different people differentiate their own filters right there and then. It's really interesting. Here's what I think is super important, Nick. So you, you, what you're saying is you're talking about alignment a lot, right? So I want to bring that in when we are, I'm going to come, hi, come backwards, come backwards, PowerPoint. So when we're aligned with people, right, the feedback from the system I was talking about feels good. And then when we're not aligned with people, when we don't think the same, or when we're, we're in conflict with people, feels bad. So I want to get away from what your brain is doing and say to everyone that part of the reason I really wanted to bring this up today is because a lot of people are having physical symptoms in their bodies right now. Like they feel stressed out. They feel fatigued, right? Lots of leaders that I've been talking about and through our whole podcast process, we've talked about people getting Zoom fatigue, right? They were tired of sitting in the same place. They were used to moving around. People were used to traveling. There's a whole bunch of things that are happening and our bodies are talking to us. Some of that is about physical, like, do I sit on this couch all day long? Or am I sitting in that chair? Or am I on Zoom that much time? But some of what our body's telling us is feedback, internal feedback, 
that we feel dissatisfied and unaligned right. with the experience that we're having. Super important, everybody. And it's why I'm saying this to you, because lots of leaders are getting on calls with me right now, and we're getting ready to turn the corner in 2021. And they're going, something doesn't feel right. I don't know how to plan. I don't feel good. I feel like I'm sick. I like all these things. And I'm here to tell everybody, yes. And it's because our whole worldview is being challenged. We're trying to make choices every day that are feel in alignment with our worldview, but everything's upside down for a lot of people, right? So I want first to ground you in that and say that I want you to know that this is happening. And part of what people are experiencing, a lot of what we're experiencing is that. And so Nick, this is super important because what you were talking about, it's interesting because what most people were used to before we had the COVID experience is that we were used to having conversations with people and having our cognitive brain, especially leaders, right? Decide, do I believe that or not? And problem solving things or looking at things on the surface and making decisions. And we could do that for a really long time, everybody. Um, but right now we're having a hard time doing that because the deepest parts of our worldview and our values are being challenged. We mm. can't make choices. We can't necessarily live the way we want to live. Specifically people who are like going in and out of lockdown. It's a really great, super tangible example of people feeling constrained. Well, that means I can't make the choices very simply that my worldview, my inner programming is telling me, wait a minute, I should be able to do this. I should be able to have Thanksgiving with my whole family. I should, if you in the US, lots of people were having that conversation just a week or so ago. I'm used to having 20 people at my house. I could only have six or whatever it was, right? Nick's laughing because he knows I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the main thing I'm showing to everybody. Like, I want you to know this exists. I want you to know that you're not crazy. Mm. I want you leaders to understand that this is deep. And so if your people are acting wacky or you're feeling yucky, like, I, I just want you to know that, that this is existing and you could go back through some of our podcasts because we've actually talked about a lot of ways to manage through this, but we really never got under the hood like this up until now. And so I thought, you know what, no better time to do that, right? The, the holidays end of year tend to like bring up a whole bunch of stuff around family and our beliefs anyway. Um, and either validate them or maybe bring them up for evaluation. Evaluation. <laughs> um, yeah. I love it. Reevaluating our values uh, in such an honest and sobering way. It's it's an engineering that I don't think you really understand unless you take time to think about it, then see it defined in front of you, and then and then see your own parameters and 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 i i think what you're doing here is so helpful because you give yourself now permission to say okay it's not just me it's not just mm -hmm. this or that it it is crazy but this is what crazy now mm -hmm. the it's um the effects of 2020 i have to look at my life very differently and it's not just day to day but it's within the inner core and the decision-making processes that affect 
not just our lives and our family lives, but our whole team. So thank you for taking the time, Christine, to really break down simply what what could be seen as complicated. Um, and And what I love about learning from you for so many years is you break it down to simple terms and measures that we all can take away in digestible ways. And I encourage you that if if you're if if there's something here stirring and you haven't yet been able to put the finger on exactly what you want to pull from this again, uh, watch it again, listen to it again, uh, go go through those slides again, um, because you you can't afford not to look under the hood right here right now, because if you don't do it now, when? Um, for me, I think a lot of uncertainties are always going to be here for the next two years. Yet there's a lot more that we know about 2021 today than we knew six months ago, three months ago, even last month. Um, and I think now we're also seeing what expectations are really realistic and what are not. Um, and I think more people are, are believing you and me Christine, when we told them months and months and months and months ago, Corona's not going anywhere. This is the new normal. And um, it's just been wonderful to be able to encourage people to, to have these moments that really define which position the rudder is going to be in for the new year. So thank you so much for this. Yeah. And I look, I would say, the last thing to everybody, Nick, and you know, you're welcome, but I, I love being here too. And thank you for inviting me to be in this conversation with you. Thank you, everybody who continues to watch and listen to us. I would, I would say to you that last thing to take away, and I'll make sure that these slides are available to everyone in a PDF form. Um, you know, don't take this for granted, right? Like we've all learned that our devices have operating systems that we have to upgrade all the time. <laughs> Um, but our operating systems, um, you know, they evolve really slow, like part of that worldview process and everything I just showed to all of you, like we as humans, um, you know, we're also getting updated, but, but it goes super slow. And, and so, you know, we're, we're still operating on a system, um, like I said, that takes a long time to evolve. And you actually have to do it on purpose. So my, my goal always in leadership now is to create awareness first. Um, and then I know for sure, all of you awesome people, um, that when you're aware and something's now in your brain, right? Like you know it exists, then it's going to help you. Somewhere along the line, you're going to remember this. You're going to be in a situation. And so I'm, I'm hoping that as we continue to go through this adventure we're in, <laughs> that Nick and I can continue to bring you tools like this. Like first, like I said, just, just uh, awareness first and um, have it handy so that if you start to feel yucky, uh, you, you know why, right? You can kind of go, ooh, something's rocking my worldview. I dare you to say that to someone in your family, everybody, I dare you this week, somebody use the word worldview and blame it on me and Nick. <laughs> <laughs> My worldview is uncomfortable, right? Yeah, there you go. So good. So good. And the reason why it's so good to understand if you're in the yuck, so then you don't get stuck in the yuck. That's right. No, you're in the yuck. You're in the yuck. <laughs> 
Love you, Chris. Website for Ari Consulting, where they can get those PDFs before we tune off today. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, look right down here. I put it in my name, ariacoach.com. Um, I will make sure that either in the blog or somewhere, the magic Heather and the rest of my team will find a place to put those PDFs so that you can download them um, and look at them a million times if you want, uh, or come back and talk to us about it. And we'll be happy to re-explain. Just put this on repeat, like I always say, Nick. Awesome. And for anyone out there who would like me and Christine to come in and consult your team or departments within your company, please reach out to Ari Consulting on that as well. We'd be happy to be of service to you. Well, happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you for your happy belated birthday wish to me. Uh, I am 37. I can't wait. 38. No, I'm 38. <laughs> I'm 38. You told me 37. Yeah, I got it wrong. It's 2020. See, I didn't even know how old I am. That's awesome. Happy Thank you. buddy. <laughs> Love it. Love you, Shasti. Thank you for joining us as our special guest. Everyone, thanks for listening and watching. And we'll catch you next week right here on Leadership Now series with Nick Wojcic and Christine Grimm. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Help us reach as many people as possible by giving us a rating, a review, and subscribing to this podcast. Love you so much. And remember, share this with anyone you know who needs to hear this as well. I'll see you next week.